uh, will you pray with me? Jesus, we need your help. We need your help to understand the words that were just read here, and not just the words, but the meaning and intent behind them. We need you and your spirit to illuminate the truth and the meaning of this word. We need your help, God. Will you help us? In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I watched a documentary uh, about the city of Jericho. Interestingly, it is one of the oldest cities that archaeologists have continued to dig in this city. They are finding uh, uh, earlier and earlier uh, evidence of civilization in this city, evidence of different people groups ruling, different religious systems, uh, and it is an ancient city. Geographically, it's the last city if you were moving southward on the way to Jerusalem. Uh, it is uh, the same Jericho of the famed Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. It is the first city, the first battle that, that, uh, that Israel uh, had as they crossed the Jordan. And interestingly, it is the last stop uh, that Jesus makes on his way to Jerusalem. In this city of Jericho, like the, the rest of the region, Rome would be the oppressive government over top uh, of this city, leading and ruling over this city. And, and, and the way that it worked was much like the mafia, much like the mob, right? They said, if you pay us, then pay us for protection, then nothing bad will happen to you. Protection from whom? From Rome, right? We're paying Rome to make sure that our life goes smoothly, and quite a bit, right? And growing up in this time, a child might have grown up and seen this and felt great compassion, not only for his parents, but for his, 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 his peers and his people, that they would be so oppressed in this way that his dad would work so hard only to have the tax collector come and take sometimes upwards of half of everything that he had made in that month or in that year. That tax collector would pocket a fair majority of that money and the rest would go to Rome. That little boy might have grown up to be sympathetic to his own people, but instead there's one boy who grew up who maybe didn't have a whole lot of power of his own, see, because he was shorter than the rest of the kids. He didn't get his own power and his social group, but he saw what power looked like in Rome. And he grew up and something happened, something became distorted, and instead of being sympathetic to his own people, he betrays his own people. He becomes a traitor to his own people. And rising up through the ranks, he finds himself increasingly a, a disappointment to his parents, but also hated by his fellow people. But on the way, he gets a great deal of power, a great deal of wealth, so much available to him that he actually rises to the chief of all tax collectors. You heard Carrie read, we're learning about the story of Zacchaeus. This is, uh, this is a story of change. This is a familiar story, something that we've all heard, something we're all very familiar with. We all remember the song that we sang 
in children's school if you were part of church all of your life, much in the way that I was. It's only found here in the book of Luke. And we only start to understand the power and significance of this story. The reason why Luke leaves it here and puts it in such a prominent place because what's happening next is Jesus is going into Jerusalem where he will be crucified and die. Luke places this story in such a prominent position as if to say this might be the pinnacle of or the encapsulation of the message of Jesus and the work that he came to do while he was here. You see, Zacchaeus, as I mentioned, grew to be the chief of tax collectors in the city of Jericho. Jericho is actually where Herod the Great kept his winter home. It was a desert oasis. It was uh, kind of a crossroads, a marketplace. There were many transactions, many things sold. Every time something changed hands, there was a tax. A perfect place for a tax collector, a perfect hub for the chief of tax collectors. Now Zacchaeus was short. You can see in verse uh, 3, it says uh, that he was small in stature. He was rich. He was very successful in his business. He was essentially the, the, the mob boss for Jericho. He was the ringleader. No one would have not known who Zacchaeus was. There is a special category for tax collectors. Even Jesus acknowledged it in Matthew 18. When someone doesn't repent, he says you treat them as you would a sinner or a tax collector. A special category all in of themselves when they accuse Jesus of only having dinner with sinners and tax collectors it is as if to say when he says sinners sinners are the people who visibly sin their sin is visible to other people obvious to other people not the hidden kind of sin but the very public kind of sin if you are labeled a sinner everyone knows about your sin and even worse than that another category in and of itself is tax collector. Because of the betrayal, because of the way that he's extorted his own people for the good of Rome, it would be as though Al-Qaeda had been successful in their oppression of America and uh, some Americans joined their side and helped to start supporting them by taking money from other Americans. Might be a modern day equivalent. Would not have a lot of friends, dare I say, any friends other than tax collectors and, and perhaps Rome. He had betrayed his people. Now, I'm not sure why on this particular day Zacchaeus thought about putting himself in the way of Jesus, but it says here that he did. He was seeking to see who Jesus was in verse 3, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he has an idea. He has an idea. He runs up ahead of where Jesus is, uh, is traveling along this path. We know that Jesus is path traveling uh, uh, to Jerusalem. It says this in the previous chapter, passing through Jericho. 
Zacchaeus catches word of this, and he puts himself in a position strategically where he knows Jesus will walk. He climbs up into a tree to make sure that he was going to be able to see who Jesus was. And as Jesus walks, he sees him in the tree, and he walks right over and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house. In verse 5, it says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus hurried down the tree and received Jesus joyfully, it says. He goes over to uh, his house without hesitation, goes right to uh, Zacchaeus' house, has a dinner with Jesus. And in verse 7, you see that the crowd was not happy about this. It says, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Of all people, Jesus, what are you doing? We all have an agreement around here, Jesus. I know you're just passing through, but Zacchaeus is somebody we don't talk to. Zacchaeus is somebody we don't look at. We definitely don't even speak his name, let alone do we go to his house. Let alone do we go inside his house. Let alone do we have a meal with him. A meal is, is the most uh, essential and intimate and, and important uh, social construct of this civilization. We've, we've, we've in, in a lot of ways, kind of downplayed the importance of the meal, but for the meal, this was... This was, this, was, this was significant. This was important. This is where our relationships are formed. This is where we would remove our outer garments. We would reveal who we really are. We would have real and honest and open conversations. Jesus has a meal with Zacchaeus. And the crowd cannot believe their eyes. Jesus, there are people here who love you, who are worthy of your attention, people who would desire to have your healing, desire to have your teaching, and you're going to give your time away on him? They were upset. But Jesus doesn't hesitate. He goes to Zacchaeus' house. And something happens in this dinner that right in the middle of it, this single interaction with Jesus, one time having a meal with Jesus, something happens. In the middle of the dinner, it says in verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, I, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Change. Completely changed. How do you go 180 degrees like that? All his life he's only ever taken. All his life he's only ever accumulated wealth. Every one of his motivations up until that moment was to build his wealth, his fame, greater and greater and greater. He climbed the ladder all the way up to chief of tax collectors. 
That term is only mentioned once. It's only mentioned about Zacchaeus. He is the boss. He did not get there by being a generous person. He did not have inside of him this idea, oh, you know what? What I'm doing is wrong. I'm stealing from my people here. Oh, I've been greedy. And just in case you, you, you may not be all that sympathetic to Zacchaeus, but though we see here at the end, he changes. Maybe, maybe you aren't all that sympathetic to tax collectors. Imagine, though, if you were in their position. Okay? I want you to go and collect taxes. Okay, how much is the tax? How much, how much am I paid? You're not paid anything. So I can just tell them that I'm going to take anything that I want from them. Now, what, 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 if, what, if, what if the people refuse? You have the full authority and protection of Rome. So as a tax collector, I can ask for whatever I want. I get to keep as much of it as, as I want. I just have to give Rome the, the minimum amount. And the rest is mine. With that kind of power, how would you have acted? How would you have responded in that role? Would you have taken just, just, just what you needed in order, in order to survive? Perhaps you would have. All of his life, Zacchaeus had one goal. One thing in mind, and a single dinner with Jesus changed everything. How do, how, do, how do people change? How do people grow? If you're a believer here, we all understand, if you have been following Jesus, that we are to grow in Christ, to mature. How does that happen? This uh, sermon series, if we have the graphic up here, uh, it, it is called uh, Real Jesus. There it is. Real Jesus. Ryan designed this graphic, by the way. It's sitting there. It's so talented. I love that stuff. Uh, Real Jesus, examining Christ in, Luke, in Luke's gospel. The point and the purpose, the reason why we've called this Real Jesus is we want to look for and find Jesus, which, which, which seems obvious, right? It's the Gospels. We, we would know that this is the, the, about Jesus and his life. Of course we'd be looking at Jesus. But think about it. What do you know about the story of Zacchaeus? What do you look at when you look at the story of Zacchaeus? You, you look at him, what he did, and his response. And you've probably heard a dozen sermons about how you should do as Zacchaeus did. You should put yourself in the way of Jesus. You should seek out who Jesus is and watch in the way that, that Jesus changes his life. Uh, and, and you should, in recognition of who Jesus is, give away all that you have. Right? You might have heard the sermon that Zacchaeus is essentially our model. And all of those are valid. But I want to, as, as, as some directors do in movies that they are uh, creating, I want to actually go through this story again, but I want to I I go through the story again through the lens of another character. I want, I want, to, I want you to see Jesus' perspective. I, as you're watching a movie, 
on a big screen, the camera does a pretty good job of showing you what exactly it is that you're supposed to be looking at. Uh, but, but you could optionally look off to the side. And you could pay attention to what some of the extras are doing. And if, if you do that, uh, you find some kind of funny uh, things that happen and uh, some mistakes. Uh, but sometimes you, you might find uh, you might find some 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 interesting nuance, some depth to the story if you don't pay attention to the main character, but look at how some of the other characters are reacting. And what seems at the center of this story is Zacchaeus. If you were to take your eyes off of Zacchaeus for a moment and, and start to examine who Jesus is, you might get something else from it. So I want to go through this story again from the perspective of Jesus. Okay? There's something that grabbed me as I read this that, that helped me to see this story through new eyes. It was in verse 3. Talking about Zacchaeus, he says, and he was looking to see who Jesus was. Not what Jesus would do, not what Jesus would say, not a miracle, but who is this guy? I, I will argue that many of us know Jesus. We've heard of him, we've read books about him. We've told people about them, but if we're honest with ourselves, we're stuck in our Christian life. We still experience failure, worry, dysfunction, emptiness. When I mention change, some people feel guilty because they haven't grown or changed as much as they should. Some people might feel indifferent because, uh, because you have pretty well done a pretty good job. You feel like you're a pretty good person and are getting it right most of the time. Some of you might feel some guilt, some real guilt, because you're still struggling. But I, I would point out what I'm offering that we can see from the story of Zacchaeus is that change begins with a discovery of who Jesus is. That it is time with Jesus. See, Jesus is a person. I used to think, I used to understand all that Jesus has done for us, and it's so important what he's done for us. I've read about what he will do for us one day, but only just recently have I considered, what is he doing right now? We know that Jesus is alive. The Bible says that he's sitting at the right hand of God in the seating place. The entire book of Hebrews is about how Jesus is the priest to end all priests, but it uses present language as if to say he is right now sitting in his place as priest for us. Why do we need a priest still? 
if Jesus put an end to that, how is he still our priest? What is that priestly role that Jesus is, is offering? We know that Jesus is a person. We know that he is alive and well. And we know that he changes people relationally. He's a person who is to be trusted, to be talked to, to be listened to. He's not a concept. He's not he's not a force. He's a person. And as you get into knowing who he is, the effect will be similar to the, the, the effect of, of Zacchaeus. So look, as we examine who is the real Jesus, let's look at this again through Jesus' eyes. Okay? So Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, he said, turn, turn to Luke 18, because he says this to his disciples. I, I, I find this to be an incredibly lonely statement. Okay? Uh, this, this was taught on last week. Uh, Tim, Tim talked about this. In verse 31 of 18, it says, And talking to the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. Did Jesus know what he was going to do in Jerusalem? He said it plainly to them. The anguish that he would be feeling, feeling in that moment, he tries to gain the sympathy of his closest friends by telling them exactly what is about to happen to him so that he could receive the comfort of his friends. And they don't get it. So Jesus, alone, carrying the full weight of what he's about to do, is passing through Jerusalem. But guess what? He makes time to heal a blind beggar and give him sight. And much like the woman at the well, in, uh, the Samaritan, we, we, we can see he went out of his way to have that interaction. It seems that the whole reason he's going through Jericho is he's got one person in mind. One last thing he's got to do. One last conversation he's got to have. Before he goes and saves humanity, there's one more person he needs to get to. And of all people, as he's walking in through Jericho, there he is. There's the guy from the seed. Up in that tree. He's there. He's ready. He's ready for me to talk to. And so Jesus, he walks right up to this tree and he calls him by his name. I know you. I know all about you. This is not a mistake. I know all you've done. I know everything you've been about. And guess what? I still want to spend time with you. So he gets down. He goes to dinner. Because Jesus knows 
that if someone will accept his invitation, that, that Jesus is going to be able to speak to that ear. And he's going to say exactly what needs to be said. He's going to point out and identify. He's going to be exactly what he needs to be in order for Zacchaeus to make a significant change. Do you know what the name Zacchaeus means? It means innocent or pure. But his parents had hopes for him. He is a walking contradiction. He is a disappointment. Anybody ever felt that? What's his name? I think Jesus was being condescending to him. I think Jesus was saying to him, let me call you by how I see you. How I'm going to make you. By what you're going to do. He says, I know you. Zacchaeus from this dinner changed and said I'm giving away I want to read it to you it says in, in verse 8 that he has stood and said to the Lord behold Lord the half of my goods I give to the poor and if I have defrauded anyone of anything I restore it fourfold that's, that's actually greater than the law requires the law says pay back what you stole and plus 20 he says fourfold. This will break him because he's defrauded everyone. Every dollar he has will be gone when he fulfills this oath that he makes to Jesus. Interesting, just one chapter earlier. A rich ruler. Do you remember that when Brian was here? The rich ruler came. And, and, and the question the rich ruler asks Jesus is, is, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, obey the commandments. And the rich ruler says, I've done that. And he says, and Jesus says back to him, okay, now sell all you have. And the rich ruler says, uh, the rich ruler goes away sad. Because he's, he's so wealthy, he can't get away with what he has. And Jesus says, it's easier for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, or harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to squeeze through an eye of a needle. And here we have Zacchaeus, a rich man, squeezing through an eye of a needle. Do you remember what Jesus said? With man, it's impossible. But with God, it's possible. You start to compare and contrast these two stories. You see, the rich ruler went to Jesus and said, how do I get eternal life? Zacchaeus goes to Jesus and says, I want to see who he is. What do you get for following Jesus? You get Jesus. That's the treasure. That's the reward. What Jesus offered to the rich ruler was sell all you have, 
the things that you're treasuring now, and let me show you what you get. Come follow. That's what you get. But he went away sad. Zacchaeus, having everything, looked in to, who, to see who Jesus was, and he has an encounter with Jesus. And what happens? He gives away all he has. You see, when, when the first time I heard the rich ruler story, I'm like, wait a minute, Jesus, are, are you saying that if he would have gave up all he had, he would have had eternal life? Because that's against everything you've been preaching to this point. Everything you've said to this point has been that it is your faith that saves you. It can't be works. It cannot be works of the law. We did a whole series through Galatians saying that. And then it seems like Jesus is saying, all you have to do is obey the commandments and give away your money, and then you have eternal life. But you saw the result. It didn't happen. It couldn't have. It could not have happened. The rich man could not have done what was required in order to inherit eternal life. What Jesus was showing him is, I must be your treasure because eternity, heaven, the kingdom, it's me. It is forever me. That's what I'm offering. Jesus is offering himself. So change is not doing the things. It's not effort. It's not Jesus plus. It's not the work of Jesus. Now I work on my change. Change is a process of going deeper into Jesus. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, I am him. It is of the abiding in him that we become more and more like him. I'm not getting this uh, on my own. I want to show you 2 Corinthians 3.18. This verse has been blowing my mind. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Do you catch that? Transformation happens as we behold the glory of the Lord. There's something about looking at Jesus that is transforming us. We're changing. As we look for and see and find who Jesus is, it has the effect of transforming us into exactly like him. It's looking at him. How do we do this? We cannot read through God's word and get an idea about Jesus. That's not true, right? Looking at God's word. When we read God's word, we are forced to examine who Jesus was. The crowd had an idea about what Je who Jesus was, how he should act, how he should respond. They were regularly upset and disappointed with Jesus. They all had an understanding of who Jesus was. And over and over and over again, he surprised them. 
He upset them. He disappointed them. And so we can't look at that and, 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 and make the same mistake and assume that we know and understand Jesus. We need to get into his word and be surprised over and over and over again that he does the unexpected. Jesus sees you. He knows you. He knows exactly what you need. Have you ever wondered what it was that Jesus said at that dinner? What did he say? What was said or done that in a matter of, I don't know, their meals were a couple hours long, so maybe this was like an hour? What happened? What did Jesus say? Did you really even know? It's not recorded in the Bible. But when you look into who Jesus is, you know what happens? He walks towards you. Right to where you are. And he says, I want to spend time with you. And it won't take long. But he'll say to you exactly what you need to hear. You know who he is. It starts to have a transforming effect. You won't understand it, but all of a sudden, you start loving things that you didn't love before. You start acting in ways that you didn't act in ways you didn't act before. You start letting go of things that were important to you. Another way, so what, one way we, we get into God's word, we, we look for, we examine who is Jesus. But another way is we get together. We're starting community groups uh, this next week. Uh, yeah, this week, uh, we're starting community groups here. When we get together, often we ask about a passage of scripture, uh, four questions. Who is God? What is he doing? Who am I, and what sh and how should I live? When we do this in community together, the result, the overflowing uh, uh, result of that is, is an examination of who Jesus is. And we're forced now to have a response, a reaction about how should I live when we look for who he is, especially together. We can get those 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 perspectives together as we get into God's word, as we share a meal together. If each one of us are beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed from one degree of glory to another, then isn't some of that reflecting, reflection and refraction going to happen on to each other too? As each one of us are looking at Jesus and are being transformed, that's going to happen when we're together to an even greater degree. A, 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 another way, and, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll just end here. Jesus said uh, about about communion at the last supper. He says, "Do this in remembrance of me." He doesn't say remembrance of what I'm about to do. Not in remembrance of my sacrifice, because he knew fully well, understanding that he would live on. 
And, and it is not enough to just remember what he's done. Because he's relational, he's a relational savior, he wants us to have a constant reminder of him, who he is. So I, I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm going to end with that. So if I, I'm going to invite the...